them injecting morphine into me right away, me being in the hospital. I imagine win or lose, right? And I know it's a fight. At that time, I knew it. Yeah. As, as, as pumped up as I was to win and to, to perform, yeah. I knew it was inevitable that anything happened, but I did not know how shocking the result of losing would be in terms of having that big of an injury. So I got sent to the hospital and I was in the hospital for seven nights. And I got told that I may never be able to taste food again. Unfortunately, I know people now who've broken their jaw who can't. They actually told me what that looked like. I got lucky. I really got lucky. I got told that I shouldn't go back to school for a year. I got told that you're never allowed to fight again, even jujitsu. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special episode of the Second Floor Podcast. My name is Raj Dillon. I'm a special guest host today, and you all know our interviewee today, Kenny Buller. He's the co-founder of the Second Floor Podcast. He's also the regional marketing director for TELUS. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach and competitor. Kenny Buller, welcome to the Second Floor. Thank you for having me, Raj. I got to tell you one more thing, Kenny. This yeah. is where we thrive and survive and we keep the good vibes alive. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you say that better than me. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for having me, Raj. This, well, is, this is great to be on the other side. Kenny, we have a very special uh, event here today where we are blessed to be hosted by El Centro, Roman Pizza Bar here on Jasper Ave in Edmonton. So thank you to both Antonio and Franco for hosting us, letting us use their space. If anybody wants some amazing food, amazing cafe, please come check it out. Absolutely. We're going to dive right in here, Kenny. Let's do it. We've got a short window today. Let's get deep. The audience of the second floor has been asking to learn more about you. Yep. And as a result of that, I'm going to dive in fairly aggressively here. Okay, let's start, let's start with asking you, what's your favorite part or, or thing about Edmonton? Wow, Edmonton. I love it. Well... Edmonton, I was born and raised, right? So I find that with my generation specifically, I feel like we're growing with the city, right? When I grew up, 1995, it was as flat as a surfboard, right? You come downtown, you get excited, you're growing up as a kid, you're wondering what it's like, and then you get kind of disappointed in seeing that Edmonton didn't really have much to offer other than West Edmonton Mall, right? And that, that was my childhood. Right? The only best place to go to was West Edmonton Mall. Mm -hmm. Or it was going to the local Sobeys and going to where you get chicken and fries. That's really what the entertainment was at, at a young age. However, at the same time, when there's nothing to do in a city that is limited to only one thing, it's allowing you the opportunity to open up your imagination. Sure. Right? And I only say that because I feel like my time of growing up, me being in my mid-20s, I was blessed to go outside, be in a cul-de-sac-like form, hang out with my buddies on this, as my neighbors, go play. We would all pretend to be people off of TV shows we watched because there really wasn't much to do. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, was Edmonton. Right. But now, as the years have been going by, Raj, you're seeing the infrastructure that's getting built downtown. You're seeing Ice District, Ice District blowing up. You're seeing all sorts of little things that weren't there once upon a time that people are now able to go to. Right. Whether there is 
young is under 18 or they're at least 18 and they're an adult and they could actually experience what this city has to offer, right? Mm. I look at wintertime as a time to hibernate or as a time to just get super fit. And then summertime, you come out, you go out, and you actually get to experience what the city has to offer. Right. Yeah, so if if you ask me what I like about it, in short, now, when, when you look at where the city's going, if you actually stay here, you can kind of reap the benefits of, of what it's offering you now. And you get to see before your eyes how much it's grown. Sure. I agree with you. There's a very much a, a sentiment of um, you're going to get out of it what you put in. And we're known in Edmonton as the startup capital of the nation. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is we have a culture and a foundation of support, a hardworking mentality, risk takers, um, so that kind of goes to speaking to the ethos of the city that you're you're describing, I think. Absolutely. You mentioned fitness in the winter time and hibernation, perhaps. Yeah. So, so let's dive into that. Tell me, tell me about, tell us about uh, your fitness journey and particularly in relation to martial arts from a young age. Yeah. I know, I know some of the story, but I think the audience wants to hear that. Yeah, so, so tell us how you first got started in martial arts yeah. and a little bit about your trajectory so far. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when I think about how young I was when I started, I was nine years old and I was just this kid filled with energy, right? As, as many of you who are, are friends of mine now watching this or, or, or family, you guys know I was, a, I was a nuthead just bouncing off the walls, right? My, my parents didn't even know what to do with my energy. I was always verbalizing how bored I was. Right. So my ADHD was just through the roof, right? And once upon a time, my dad, he's reading this community newspaper, you know, when those things were very highly read and you were a part of the community, he sees this ad. And we're just, you know, we're driving at the time, just hanging out. And he's at a red light. He's just flipping through it. And he looks at it and he's like, Kenny, you know they're going to have this uh, Taekwondo and they're going to have it uh, just like steps away from our house. And I'm like, oh, dad, Taekwondo, that, that, that sounds pretty cool. Is that like martial arts stuff? He's like, yeah, you know, you watch all these karate krute, you watch like Street Fighter, you watch Tekken, Mm -hmm. you play these games with your brother KB. Why don't you do it? And I was thinking, and I never, like, it never dawned on me to actually do it, right? right? Like growing up as a kid watching Dragon Ball Z all the time, like just looking at action, I was just inspired by it. But I never thought I'm going to do it. So I was like, you know what, Dad? Yeah, let's go. Sign me up. Let's go check it out. So we actually go... And I'm the first kid who registered. I was one of the first three. Yeah. I walk into this community hall. Yeah. And funny enough, ironically, now I'm very familiar with them just through work at yeah. TELUS because that's who we connect with. And every time I walk into a community hall now, it reminds me of that. Yeah. Anyways, I walk in. It's empty. Instructor's there. He's all proud. He's all excited to give me this free uniform and the white belt. He's going to say I'm going to be there Tuesday, Thursday. He's telling me about the journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm locked in. I'm eating it up. So ever since that day, I ended up being in Taekwondo for four years straight. And that's what changed my life. Like I, I went from going home to being bored, yeah. screaming and shouting, like just being this crazy kid. Like you just didn't know what to do with my energy to cleaning dishes, you know, folding my shirts, you know, going to bed on time. Like it's true about what they say when you actually do a martial art first. It, it disciplines the shit out of you. Yeah. Like doing little things, Raj, like sitting still for two minutes, right? 
doing three things where we had to focus your eyes, focus your mind, focus your body. It sounds cheesy now, but like when I teach this back to kids, they eat it right up. Because it, it allows them to focus on certain things outside of the actual. Say it again, what are the big three? Focus your eyes, focus your mind, yeah. and focus your body. Okay. Beautiful. Three things, Beautiful. right? And at the time, the really neat part, Raj, was every single belt that you would climb up to, yeah. to obviously reap the benefits of eventually being a black belt, a junior black belt at a young age, you had the chapter. And you know, kudos to my coach at the time. He really indoctrinated the seven habits of highly effective teams. Yeah. And every single one of those habits was a theme to the belt. And one of them, you know, we don't have to go in detail to all of them, but one of them that I always stuck through was begin with the end in mind. Sure. And just like how, for example, as it was taught to me as I teach to others now, you don't just hop into a car and just drive. You always know where you're going to go, yeah. right? Yeah. And for me, that taught me a lot about martial arts, mm -hmm. taught me about my purpose as to why I'm doing it, yeah. taught me about, okay, with everything else outside of martial arts, mm -hmm. what's the journey, how am I going to get there, and where am I going to go? Right. And it taught me about all those things, which uh, honestly, I would not be who I am today with, I believe, the confidence that I have mm -hmm. and the patience that I now have. I would not have any of that if it weren't for starting with Taekwondo then leading into other paths such as MMA and jiu-jitsu and, and what I spend my time in now. That's, you know, what's fascinating about that is you've, you've painted a trajectory that's probably pretty common for young kids, nine years old, growing up, getting into an activity, becoming more focused, becoming more motivated, and then transcending that level of play or activity to performance, right? So, so tell us about, along the way, it wasn't smooth. There, was, there were some messes along the way. Absolutely. There were some challenges and obstacles. Um, one of those involved a major injury for you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I was 18 years old, and you know, this was around the time martial arts and MMA in general has really been a part of my life. So you, you, now you've been in this for nine years. Nine so you started years. at nine. Yeah. The story's about when you were 18. 18. So nine, you, almost a decade has passed. Yeah. And you're committed to this sport. Like you're in. Yeah. You're invested. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. And, you know, I, I made that transition into MMA really at the age of like 16, 15. And my brother at the time was 4-0. So MMA superstar, following his footsteps. Everyone's waiting. Yo, Kenny, man, when you're 18, you're gonna go in there too. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna show, you're gonna show what's up. You're, you're gonna make it big. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna knock them out just like KB did. Right. So there was that side, and then the other side of it was, hey, I, I was ready. I felt like I was ready. I, I loved it as much as my brother did, and I felt as prepared as much as my brother did. And he was a part of my camp. So was our teammates, and I'm, I'm in it to win it. I go in, and a lot of what I was told prior to the fight was, hey, man, you got this. And I was going up against a 20-year-old yeah. who was a karate black belt background. And I was like that Taekwondo background. Okay. He was much more large in size, yeah. uh, much more physically athletic, I'll give him that. And he was a great fighter. He had that fight. He, really he also did. had two years more experience than you. Absolutely. Right. And that two years at that time when you compare 18 to 20, that's, that's, a, that's a jump, yeah. right? We had a war right away. We touched gloves. We went at it. Like immediately. And about a minute into the first round, he clipped me and I felt something. I broke my jaw. 
And it was about at that moment where my mouth was shifted to the right side and I couldn't close my mouth. And it put my tongue on my left side of my mouth, Raj, and I couldn't feel my teeth. Blood was coming out of my mouth. I knew that was my only round I had. That was all I would have in me. And I brought 60 of my friends and family at the time to come see me fight. This was in Calgary. And I gave it all I got. I knew that the only way I could not have my face get any more injured than it was is to take him down. Took him down to the ground. Crowd went wild. My brother, my coach, Luke, in my corner, they knew something was up with all this blood coming out of my mouth. Keep him down. Last minute of the fight, I really just keep him there. Round ends. Went to our respective corners. Doctor came in. I knew that was it. He looked at my face. He says, yep, something looks really bad. Yeah. We have to stop the fight. Okay. The real fight, Raj, began when I came out of the cage. There we go. That was the real fight. Yeah. And I walked into the room. Adrenaline's out. And that's when the real pain kicks in. And when I broke my jaw at that time, I remember getting an ambulance, having my brother come in them injecting morphine into me right away, me being in the hospital. I imagine win or lose, right? And I know it's a fight. At that time, I knew it. Yeah. As, as, as pumped up as I was to win and to, to perform, yeah. I knew it was inevitable that anything happened, but I did not know how shocking the result of losing would be in terms of having that big of an injury. So I got sent to the hospital, and I was in the hospital for seven nights. And I got told that I may never be able to taste food again. Unfortunately, I know people now who've broken their jaw who can't. They actually told me what that looked like. I got lucky. I really got lucky. I got told that I shouldn't go back to school for a year. I got told that you're never allowed to fight again, even jujitsu. I didn't go back in the cage yet, I'll be honest. And I say yet for a reason because a part of me really does want to get back in there. But another part of me now, five and a half years later, sees how much other things I've moved forward. So having said that, I remember at the time I was very confused. I'm 18, but I'm a positive junkie. And I'm like, I'll get back in there. Don't worry, right? My, my face is a balloon sure. and I'm in the hospital for seven nights. I don't get surgery till four nights in. And I didn't want to look at my face at the time. I really didn't, right? I had the best plastic surgeon operate on me in Western Canada. And the way they kind of put it was, hey, you know what? Despite this happening in Calgary, we have the best doctor to ensure that you're going to get taken care of. I know people who got an incision on the outside of the face. Still to this day, Raj, they keep themselves with a beard because they don't want to show them their scars. Yeah. Right? I know other people, hey, they're damn proud of their scars. Mm-hmm. Mine was a brand new surgery. They did an incision inside my mouth. So I have three lines underneath my mouth where they did the opening in, and I have a plate in my jaw right now. Yeah. I did my research. I got told that if I step in there again and it breaks, it's over. Sure. Like You could say bye to my face. You could say bye to to pretty much ever being able to taste food because it was that bad. And you know what I learned from that situation was the way I handled it and just looking at it now as a, as a younger adult compared to really being a kid then is I'm glad I, I handled it the way I did. And I'm glad I didn't let that turn for the worst. Because okay. there's people that shared stories with me where they got their arm injured. They got their ACL broken and they couldn't do the sport they love anymore and they fell through depression they fell into suicidal thoughts i personally didn't get to that point i looked at this as a way to like come back stronger come back better uh come back with with this fierce determination of of, of proving to myself that i'll be a better fighter than that and in reality freak accidents happen 
When I looked at that clip over and over again, the way I got clipped, where my mouth was open at the time, how fragile it was at the same time being that young, freak accidents happen. Sure, it's the nature of sport. Yeah, and I, I convinced myself that it's okay, win or lose, if that happened. And because martial arts has always been a part of my life, I channeled it in the jujitsu, where I'll never get this hit in jujitsu, and I still get the same feeling I do from it. You're still driven by the, the sport. Very much so. I can't go a day without sweating. Mm -hmm. That's the way I put it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to keep active in order to let, you know, myself improve as a martial artist, yeah. but also just to keep a fit lifestyle. I think when you say you can't live a day without sweating, you're talking about physical exercise and getting your heart rate yeah. up. What makes you mentally sweat? Mentally sweat? Oh, that's a good question. It's a really good question. I need to go every day with feeling like I learned something new. If I go a day, Raj, without feeling productive, yeah. it bothers me. Like, I almost feel like... You feel guilty? Yes. You feel like I you wasted your time a little bit? You missed opportunities? Big waste of time, yeah. Okay. Because for me, every day you wake up is, is, is another day for you to, to learn from the next day previous. However, let's be honest. I mean, people listening to this right now who, who know me very well, it takes, it takes a little while for me to learn things, okay. right? I'm a slow learner, and I accept that. Okay. But I want people to know that you can still do amazing things at a slower rate. Mm -hmm. However, if it's at a slower rate, you're on top of it every single day, mm -hmm. right? So let's take this for instance, me being Kenny. I was that last kid who was trying to write his notes, every single note in class. I was that last kid getting all my things together in my backpack to go to the next class. Right. I was that last kid that was chosen on the soccer field to play a sport. I was that last kid who was, if anyone were to bet that I get 100% on the exam, I wouldn't. So a lot of that was me, but I, I thought that. And, I, and I, I realized, especially after university, when I had one professor, shout out to, shout out to Charles Kime. He always said, Kenny, you know what? You have this strength. And, and it's this, and I want you to feel that strength. Focus in on it, take it, and, and, and you'll, you'll move whatever you take that you're passionate about, yeah. and, and away you go. As opposed to, because he saw it. I tried so hard to be like, ah, oh, these are my weaknesses. I gotta work on my weaknesses. I gotta work on that. Mm -hmm. And then the more and more I shied away from my strengths, yeah. I started to become very confused about myself. You feel conflicted and also probably not as confident. Yes. And a lot of that had to do with, okay, who am I surrounding myself around? Who do I want to be? Who, who and what am I trying to represent, right? Because I'm the kind of guy where so many people saw that I'm doing so many different things. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious. Yeah. I genuinely think that there's a certain point in your life, Raj, and, and whoever's listening to this, that you have to be curious at some point in your time. Sure. Inquisitiveness is a, is a virtue, really. If you're not inquisitive or curious, you're probably not going to learn things and you're probably going to be a little bit resistant to feedback. Yeah. Right? So it's a way to improve and a way to grow. Um, you brought up this desire to always learn and, and some of the grit that you've gone through and grit that you've developed, I should say, over the course of your journey. What, what are some of the core values that you believe in and that you have instilled in you that might have helped you along the way? It's a great question. Wow. We got to have him more often as a host, I swear. Wow. <laughs> well, along the way, I 
I believe in respect. You know, you give respect, you get respect. Sure. I also believe that in both ends, the positive and the negative. Treat others how you want to be treated. And that, that's always stuck with me. And it stuck with me in, in, in some way, shape, or form in the good ways and in the bad ways. If I'm getting disciplined, I end up disciplining back. And it's a bad habit. And I need to now recognize that this is an opportunity for someone who loves me, who's seeking to understand how I can better behave. Now I can't throw that back on them. Right? It can't be a reaction. Yeah. It needs to be, hey, you know what? This is what I'm doing. This is how it's looked as something that's wrong and it needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Right? However, on the positive end, you need to treat everybody equally. If you want to get anywhere in life, mm-hmm. if it, like, like what you put out there is what you're going to get. Yeah. Right? I always heard the golden rule, and, and it's so cliche to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, but you walk into a room yeah. and how you treat, let's say, the janitor of a certain place is showing your true character. How you treat somebody who's out on the street right now, who, who you just walked past, and maybe you guys bumped shoulders, and maybe it was your fault. You didn't do anything about it because you low-key feel like, ah, you know what, I'm better than this guy. Then you're scum. To me, you're scum. Because you are already thinking in your head who's at a higher level, who's at a lower level. I think when you could ultimately look at a human being for who they are, however they're dressed, who, however they appear to look in society, yeah. then that's going to really reflect what your true character is like. When you could ultimately look at them just for who they are. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we're all, we all say it, we're all big on it, it's first impressions. Mm-hmm. Automatically when you look at somebody for, for five seconds without even them opening up, yeah, and you know you're about to shake their hand, you know there's a moment of, of someone who's about to introduce you, you're already judging them. However, I feel like judging is the wrong word. We should put that back mm-hmm. and we should say, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my opinion in my head of how I perceive this person yeah. the moment I actually have a conversation with them. Right. That's big for me because I, I know people, Raj. I've known people who I don't even longer associate with who are really quick to judge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that we're already kind of heading into through, through technology where because we're surrounded around so much of what appears to look like the norm and what we should look like, we start looking at situations where aren't that, and we judge. When in reality, you could learn something from every single person. That's another thing I value. If I'm sitting somewhere and I have the chance, because I understand I'm a busy person, right? Like I'm, I'm going from A to B to C to D in a day. And a lot of times I realize, damn, I didn't even have time to talk to that guy who's waiting in line, right? Didn't get the chance to pick his brain. That bugs me. Because I feel like no one's a stranger as well. That's another big thing. And when you get the opportunity to actually pick someone's brain, it's huge. We all look for it through books. We all look through it through national best, best, bestseller authors, which is great. But why, don't, why, why not the average Joe? Sure. Why not the guy who's hustling? He's working the nine to five. He's getting the coffee at the same time as you. Pick his brain. Right? Yeah, you want to hear from different lenses, don't you? Yeah, I love that. How, how did that... Like what, kind of what you've outlined there is that you believe in respect, equality, and inquisitiveness as some of your core values. Yeah. I'm sure we didn't capture the entire list, but that's, <laughs> that's a, good, a good starting point. Spark notes. If you, if you reflect on some of your personality traits, you've, you mentioned like high energy, bubbly child, bubbly adult, very energetic. How did some of those personality traits impact what you've chosen to do in now? 
yeah. and how you've focused your life in some of their major pathways. I love that. You know what? Yeah, when we go back to strengths, Raj, really, I, I exuberate this, this confidence that I feel is, whoops, pick that up. I've dropped my phone like 20 times in the past week. <laughs> so it's one of those things, Raj, where I, I use my strengths in, in a way where if it's work-related, I don't want it to feel like work. So for instance, something I feel like I enjoy doing and I feel like I'm good at is building connections, right? Being a mediator. Big part of my job at TELUS is to create relationships with certain event coordinators, with certain uh, individuals who are, are business owners, for us to collaborate, find an opportunity to set up a TELUS booth so that way we can strategically talk to their consumer base in their geographical area to talk about pure fiber launching in their community, right? So now with me, when I'm doing that, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying that experience. Mm -hmm. So I, I find that in that case, when I can think about what is the objective of my work, yeah. what is it I'm good at, are they on the same line? Right. And is what I'm good at something I enjoy? Because I find truthfully, some people are really good at things, but they choose not to do it. I mean, you're kind of outlining a merging your passions, right? You're finding yes. a way to merge employment with your passions. Yeah. If that's connecting people or bridging gaps and building relationships, coming up with creative ideas, that's kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing, really. Yeah. yeah. Like, do you find that when you're working at Pivotal Physio and, and you're running your operation there, do you wake up every morning truthfully and majority of the times, you're like, oh man, okay, I gotta... I see eight of those patients. Oh, yeah, I got to see Kenny. Mm -hmm. He's going to be very loud today. I can't handle him being mm -hmm. loud. And mm -hmm. Okay, let's, uh, let's do it. Like, the, like, the truth is, no, I don't, I don't ever feel negative about it. Like, yeah. I'm lucky, and I, I get a chance to do that, too. I get to merge my passions and enjoy what I do. So I look forward to it every day. Yeah. And I think you do, too. Oh, of course. Right? And you know what? I think when, when you're doing a lot of things, because I feel like a lot of people feel like they need to be doing a lot of things right now, whether it's the two or three you know, side hustles that you're running at the same time and you're waiting for one to move forward fast or you're putting all the eggs in one basket, you have to enjoy the process yeah. and you have to be patient about it, sure. right? Because again, going back to, to learning every single day, mm -hmm. you take those little snippets of those learning methods and you apply it into the next day. Sure. And then that becomes exponential growth, right? So for me, as a person who, let's say this podcast, for example, yeah. I need to be able to see that growth because that's part of the excitement. That's right. Right? Yeah, having that's perspective. Like, exactly. That's yeah. like a relationship. Mm -hmm. Relationships, they become exciting when you get to learn new things about your partner, when you get to understand that change is inevitable, right? right? Okay. Where you're not going to be with necessarily the same person after three years. But okay, is this person... Are they matching the expectations you have now? Are you, are you guys growing in the same line? Same thing with your business. Imagine if all of a sudden you went autopilot and you, said, you just said yes a lot of times. They're like, oh yeah, you know what? We'll collaborate with this athlete. Oh yeah, sure, you know what? We'll, we'll open up in Cameron Heights. Sure, let's do it. And all of a sudden, just you kept saying yes to so many things, but you didn't seek to understand what it is you were doing it for. You didn't take a step back. And I feel like a lot of times, I'm starting to learn this now, Raj, where... There needs to be moments where you sit yourself down and you're quiet yeah. and you sit back sure. and you're not listening to anything, not talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. You're alone in your space and it's a sh 
short as thinking about what the plan is for the next day yeah. without a screen in front of you, or it's as long as, okay, well, where, where are we taking this in three months from now? And for me, honestly, I'm, I'm very bad at time management. I really am, as you know. However, as far as planning goes, planting the seeds, watering that seed so it grows, I find that's something I really spend a lot of time on doing. Mm -hmm. Did I, I answer like your that. question? I'm sure you did somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere in there he did, right? <laughs> so you mentioned two big lessons. One of them was enjoying the process and the journey. And the second one was uh, taking a moment at times to basically meditate. You're describing a meditation, uh, you know, whether it's uh, reflection, time alone, quiet, but you're describing some form of meditation and reflection. Where did you learn those things? I learned it through making a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, yeah. really, even up to this day. Mm -hmm. I'm a big yes man. Okay. Again, going back to that chapter, in my life, really, where I want to try everything, right? I want to, I want to do all these things, and I, I feel like I always have to prove it to myself. I used to say prove people wrong. Yeah. Now I flipped it. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, I don't, gotta, I don't want to prove anything to anybody. Right. I just have to prove it to myself. Sure. I have to show that I am so comfortable mm -hmm. and, and so willing to make things happen, yeah. and that how it looks in here, is how it's going to look out there, right? But a lot of times, you realize you're going through the motions, and then how you look at it here doesn't become what's out there. And that's okay. And then, yeah, that's it's fine. okay. It's completely fine, that's right? Okay. That's part of your journey. Like along the way, I did some stupid shit, yeah. like career-wise. I was working my first year at Post Media as a media consultant, and while I was doing that, I was so so hungry for more. It just wasn't enough. Which again, it's, it's, it's not healthy, right? You're working a nine to five and you're training. Why are you putting more on your plate, right? And I'm realizing that now, but okay, what did I do? I thought about becoming a real estate agent. I thought about becoming a health consultant, you know, learning how to be a health coach and, and understanding the principles of, of what you need to learn that. Thirdly, I thought I was going to run a window cleaning business while I'm making the transition into becoming and shaping myself into a marketing manager role at Telus. Yeah. It's just too much. Yeah, there's too many things. Too many you things. You can't focus effectively right? on all those things. You can't. Right. And morally, at the end of the day, that, that bit me up inside because I don't like half-assing. Mm -hmm. I really dislike half-assing. And when I start noticing that, mm -hmm. that's when I feel like my life is in shambles. If I don't, if I don't feel like I have control over it yeah. and... and, and it controls me, then I'm not happy anymore. So like really my life lesson there is I only did it because it wasn't, it wasn't to prove myself anything. It was to prove up to others. It was to feel like I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. Sure. I mean, that was right? a messy exploration, it sounds like. Very that's okay. messy. That's okay. Yeah. But it's, but it's also beautiful. It's messy and beautiful all at the same time. Yeah. Because you're learning a lot. Oh, you're exploring absolutely. and failing and succeeding and failing faster and, and learning from it. Yeah. But it helps to shape a narrower vision going forward. Oh, exactly. What's your favorite quality in other humans? Oh, I love that. These are such cool questions. I've never been asked these things. 
My favorite quality? Favorite quality. Think back to like some of your favorite humans in the world. And, and why, why are they your favorite humans? Why? I really like when people are, are relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like very easygoing. When Is that because it balances you? It does. It really does. Like I like when people are not, not so like... <clears throat> We say Punjabi, Jaldi, right? Like, <laughs> and I swear, for, this is... For those, for those that don't know what that means, Jaldi means hurry and in a rush and, and almost like in a frenzy. Yeah. So, so that gives you a sense of what Kenny's talking about. Exactly. It's one of those moments where if you're Punjabi or if you're, if you're of any uh, multicultural descent and, and you know another language other than English, this is one of those times where I'm like, what's the yeah, word I'm looking for? It's got a real, a real meaning, words, like, doesn't it? Like, Okay, so you like people that are relaxed. That's one of the qualities They're you relaxed, look for. They're relaxed, yeah. And I like enjoy. people that are, are willing to have a good time. Right. Right? Like, it's a, it's a back and forth battle. Sure. Like, sure. I, I find that I'm always looking to keep a conversation going. <laughs> right? I'm always looking really? for that. <laughs> really? Tell me again. <laughs> and if, if someone can reciprocate that, it juices me up. Right. Right? Like, right. I, I have an issue where I feel like in order for me to feel like we're building our relationship, yeah. I need to be asked questions. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Okay. Right? And I've had moments in my relationship or sure. even through friends where they're mm -hmm. like, you don't got to have us, you don't got to like have us ask the question for you to say it. You're a very verbal thinker. Yes. Right? That's, that's one of the things that you, you embody. Yes. So having a chance to answer questions kind of creates the avenue to do that. Exactly. Right? It's true. If you, so we know that you're Punjabi full Punjabi, if there was one other ethnicity that you connect with, what is it? Spanish. Spanish? Yeah. Oh, why? man. Tell me why. Because vosotros comemos, man. <laughs> vosotros comemos el centro. <laughs> el centro. <laughs> I was like, I have to say it properly. <laughs> no, you know what? It's Spanish for, for a couple reasons. Mm -hmm. I was studying French, Raj, okay. up until grade nine. For six freaking years. Mm -hmm. And this is to all you public school homies who can understand. By grade nine, when you ask yourself, how much French do I know? Right. You don't know shit. It's like, like you probably know how to get by with saying, hello, right. you know, bonjour, yeah. comment te peux tu, yeah. uh, aujourd'hui. That's all I know, man. That's it. I literally, for those of you who don't know, I said hello. I said What's your name, yeah. I think? Yeah. And I said, yeah. today. Today, yeah. And it was, I, I feel like when you want to know a language, yeah. you want to really learn it, you yeah. have to submerse yourself into it. Yes. You have to like it. You know, there's got to be that, like, that undertone way of, of being able to, the way it rolls off your tongue. Spanish, when I discovered that in grade 10, Senior Vargas, this guy, he handed out 100% like, no tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, right? I would walk in the class, yeah. I'd be like, Hola! He'd be like, Kenny, 100%! Just for coming in and saying hello in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. So that was obviously part of it. He validated you. Right? Yeah, he validated. Right. It was okay. nice. Yeah. He saw that when someone was putting in effort, yeah. he got excited. Right. right. But there's something else about it. There is, yeah. There's the, there's the cultural aspect of it. Okay. Spanish people, they're vibrant. Yes. Right? They're passionate. You look at Spanish weddings, right? You yeah. watch Narcos. Yeah. You see the way they party. Yeah. You see the way they, they talk amongst one another. Yeah. That's me. Okay. I feel like in my past life, or my yeah. next life, I'm yeah. going to tell God, make me a Spanish guy. Yeah. Right? Or you might have been before. Could be. Yeah. Could be, right? So Spanish, second place Italian. Okay. I find like both of these cultural ethnicities very much so resemble 
similarities mm -hmm. to uh, Punjabi folks. Yeah. Right? Okay. And I think that's why, to be honest. Sure. And just when I think about all of the people that I've met in my life, yeah. those would be the first two who've really, like, I almost went, okay, this, this person's interesting. Yeah. Right? Right. They, they care about the family values. Okay. They are vibrant, just mm -hmm. like me. Yeah. And they ask questions. Yeah. They're curious. Right. Right. Right? Okay. Very interesting. What are family values that, that you embody? Tell us a little bit about mom and dad and brother. And, yeah, of and course. Tell us about what, what is life like in the Fuller household. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're like curious about this too, right? I find, you know what, with our family, it's very unique. So my mom, she's like the rock of our family, right? Without our mom, we, we would all be out on the streets. I, I very much so recognize that because my mom kept it all together. She worked her ass off. She would come back home and clean for everybody, come back home and cook for everybody. Like, that's somebody who, like, on top, did it, managed to do it while we were going out without complaining, when we were little shits, obviously, when we could handle our own and we still didn't do it. That's when she started, you know, recognizing that, come on, guys, like, keep it together, at least clean your room, you know? And, and my dad, he's somebody who, very opposite of my mom, right? He, he worked very hard during our, our, our upbringing. And, and same thing with my mom, like, he had something about him where he was a lot more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Like my mom would be like, gotta get this done, gotta get this done, gotta get this done. <laughs> my dad would be like... What's your dad's favorite line? <laughs> Let's deliver it to the crowd here. <laughs> tell, 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 tell us the line. <laughs> he'd, he'd always just say, Kenny, just God. God will figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's it. He'd always say God's going to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Or he would say... Like, my dad growing up, he'd always just be like, he does have one-liners. Mm -hmm. The one that I really like. Mm. And this one, it sticks. Yeah. And I actually live off of it. My dad says, Kenny, you could never plan to fail, mm -hmm. but you can always fail to plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who said that originally? <laughs> I that, don't know. Did he, like, is that a Tony Robbins line that <laughs> he heard one time? He got that Where did from? he get this line? This sounds like a... Sounds like something he got somewhere. He would say that, Raj, <laughs> and then he'd just walk away. He'd walk away? And just I'd, plant the seed and leave? Every year, mm -hmm. every year. Like, it just, yeah. he'd find a moment where he would say it, and it would blow my mind. Yeah. Right? Okay. So he'd say that, but, like, growing up as a kid, like, my mom and dad, they put everything into my brother. They really did. Right? Okay. Like, this is your older brother. Older brother, KB. Don't know. Right? They, they, they put yeah. everything into him yeah. four years back, mm -hmm. you know, then I came around. Okay, so, right? he's, so four he's four years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then around, I came around, my mom and dad were like, okay, KB, you raise him. You, you raise your brother. Did he raise you? So yeah, in a sense, really, yeah. when my mom and dad were so busy working at those times, yeah. my brother kind of was brought up to be like a, yeah. like a second father. He's favorite. a surrogate father. Yeah. Beautiful. So it's been, it's been really interesting growing up, though, for KB to like have that feeling of, okay, do I need, do I need to be his brother right now or do I yeah. need to be his father? Yeah. So really, I, I, to this day, you know, I aspired to my brother and I, I looked yeah. up to him in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a lot of times I didn't listen, of course, and a lot of times I did and it worked in my favor. Okay. And it's just what, what I love about my family is like we all recognize what hard work looked like. Mm -hmm. And we always, always knew that when we come back into the home, mm -hmm. we'd all be there. Right. You know? And, and I... I'm so grateful for my parents because they gave me everything. I was a spoiled little brat. Yeah. Right? Like everything from, from dropping us off to, to the studio to, to really trusting us. Okay. To, you know, allowing myself to be in my brother's presence for us to enjoy all the times we've had together growing up. Yeah. And my parents not, you know, 
annoying us too much because right. they understand that's my second dad, right? Yes. And and that came with the responsibility of my brother, of course, to ensure that I was well kept. Mm-hmm. And it just it worked out really well. I think though, okay. the one thing that I'm going to take that I learned from my family, I'm going to bring into into mine, is a little bit more of uh, you could say like like operating as one. Yes. Right. Like I find with my family, yeah, we're all very involved with our own things, mm-hmm. which is great, and we all encourage each other for it. But then it's tough for all of us to get on the same page. You will have an impossible mission on your hands trying to raise a family not operating as one. Yeah. What I'm getting at is you are so damn gregarious that you will want everyone together. <laughs> yeah. so, so it will have to be the case. It will. And, yeah. and I look forward to seeing it. I look forward to seeing that no, thank you. manifest when the time is right. We, we've got about a few minutes left here. I'm going to hit you, hit you with some quick questions. Absolutely. You've got you to shorten your answers here. Quick fire rounds, okay. yes. Quick fire rounds. Short and sweet. Another thing I'm really okay. working on. Outside of mom, dad, and KB, mm-hmm. biggest influence in your life? Oh, that's Guggen for sure. No, remove Guggen. Okay, because you have to shout out to your wife. Okay, so, so Guggen, we have to shout out to you. We knew that he's going to say Guggen, right? Yeah, I staged it. Okay, so, so let's remove, that remove mom, dad future wife and brother. Okay, so immediate family removed. I'm looking for influencers. Okay, who else? Wow. Can they be like... Anybody. Could be anybody? Celebrities, current people, former people, you name it. Yeah. I find that I always aspire to be like somebody I want to be in the future. Okay. Right? Like, I'm I'm like a copycat. Yeah. I learned that about myself. Okay. I'll like look at somebody I want to be and then I'll start like... Emulating them. Yeah, I'm sure. emulating the mannerisms. Yeah. Start like seeing how how well they interact with others, and just yeah. just overall seeing their 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 overall nature. Right. Right. So I find that like someone like you, you know, like I tell mm-hmm. Guggen all the time, and she's even told you. Yeah. We're open and honest, and to be transparent with you. Right. When we met Raj, I felt like everything that you've got going on. Yeah. It's what. I want similar to what I'm doing in my own space that yeah, I like. In your own ecosystem. But I see yeah. how you do it with ease. Mm-hmm. Like not, not necessarily ease, but more so like you're relaxed in the process. Right. And, and whether, whether or not that's master or not, it's just mm-hmm. when you're on stage, you're present, you're right. aware. Yeah. You're, you, you work the room. Mm-hmm. And I remember once upon a time we, we speak about it. And I don't think you realized when you said you walked into a wedding reception and you feel like, you know, you, you need to be the guy to just make sure everyone's taken care of mm. and then everyone's having conversation and you just find like moments to get people together. Yeah. That's when it clicked to me where I was like, there's so much about him that I feel like you that's similar to me. Yeah. But he's already well, we at like, that point. We like to connect people for sure. Yeah. That's one thing we share. That's the thing. So since then I found that I wanted to Who, pick your brain more. Best salesperson you've ever met. Met? Oh man. That's a great question. There's so many. Top. Eight years of sales, there's been so many that come across my brain. Give me one. <sighs> Dudham Taylor. Jesus, okay. man, this guy. Okay. This guy picks up the phone, mm-hmm. saw that somebody was interested in, in, in the Mercedes-Benz model, CLA, happened to be my dad at the time looking, yeah. who called, and it was on the lead list. Mm-hmm. And he's... From the UK, first generation Indian, right? Or sorry, first generation London, yep. right? Parents from, from, from uh, you know, South Asia. 
and he manages to sell my dad. Okay. He just keeps calling him. Yeah. And he calls me. And he's like, he's the son. He's the younger son. He's the one that wants the vehicle <laughs> with his dad. Right? Since then, he read know, the scenario. It was perfect. Right, right. Since then, he sold my parents two cars, okay. sold my fiance a car. Okay. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's the closer. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Dudham Taylor. If anyone wants a nice car, Mercedes Benz, go to Dudham Taylor, West Side. He's the man. <laughs> what, does, what does Omid mean to you? Omid. Wow. means tranquility. Tranquility? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yes. What does Quran mean to you? Ah. Uh, Quran means... Stern. Stern. Okay. Stern. What does Gagan mean to you? Gagan wow, in one word. Are we doing these things in one word? Did I just magically? You took it there. I, I didn't say one word, but but you. I mean, she, she's your partner, so speak uh, speak freely. Gagan is everything behind this operation. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would not be where I'm sitting right now if I weren't mm-hmm. for Gagan. Yeah, I'd be. I was lucky. I'd probably be four months into working at Post Media now. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in no rush. I really wasn't. Yeah. She's a year and a half older than me, and way more age aside. Yeah. She's more mature than me. Yeah. She's more responsible than me. Mm-hmm. She's got her shit together. Mm-hmm. But since she took a vow, and since she fell in love with me as much as I fell in love with her, she stuck through it, and she's okay. been, she's seen. Far more growth from me than I would ever need to see from her. Yeah. Because she's always had it together. Right. So for her to really... Sure. She's the next rock. The next rock? Your mom like, was the first rock. Yes. She's the next rock. I thought you were referring to Dwayne Johnson. No, I was no. like, you not, know what? That not Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That works. It's been, a, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Kenny, sincerely for letting me be part of this. Thank you, Rod. Today and, and in the past. I look forward to watching a lot more Second Floor podcasts and being part of events going forward. Thank you, audience, for having uh, a chance to tune in to this episode Thanks, guys. on the second floor. And with that, and a shout out to Guggen, we'll wrap it up here. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. That's a wrap. Thank you, Roger. I appreciate right. it.